Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. There's going to be some property torn up in Indianapolis tonight, baby! Time now for the College Football he throws near sideline, and it's intercepted. Intercepted, Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes, 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, near sideline. Breaks the tackle, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, 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 Georgia. 32, 18. Let the celebration begin. Here's Pat and Pete. Man, is there going to be some property destroyed tonight? Welcome to the pod. I'm sorry if that doesn't quite sound Boston enough for you like Dan Wetzel, because it's not Dan Wetzel. This is Pat Forty. I am with Pete Thamel. We are with Sean Sullivan, the college football inquirer. End of the season national championship game wrap. It's 3.13 a.m. And for some reason, Wetzel was just too much of a diva to stay up and wait for us uh, to finish our stories and to get on the pod with us. Also He's probably convenient. looking at like those videos on YouTube he always watches where like people like shoot rats out of <laughs> helicopters and he probably didn't pick up his phone. He's definitely he probably a, he's avoiding yeah. us. He's a, yeah. Yes, he's avoiding us because also after Dan congratulated himself so heartily on winning the uh, bowl picks, he got this one wrong. He picked Alabama and, and basically almost mocked us for picking Georgia and saying, yes, we're going to give you Nick Saban and three points. And anyway, so we're right. He's wrong and he's hiding. But I do have to contribute that Dan was supposed to come to Indianapolis to the game and he didn't, which is by far and away his biggest contribution to Yahoo this year because I had a lot of space on press row. I put my bag where he would have been sitting like what an upgrade. I could stretch out a little bit, cup of coffee here, notebook. So, yeah, Dan yeah. not showing up has gone well for me already tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing that continue on the pod. There you go. And he also had a little bit of social distancing because we were packed in there pretty well. And uh, you at least had a little bit of air around you. So good for you. Heck of a game. Very good yeah. game. Big time, obviously. I mean, tons of talent on the field, tons of intensity, drama, some controversy, some back and forth. For a while, it looked like, oh, my God, Georgia's going to find a new and different way to blow it again against mm -hmm. Alabama. And then they it's come It's hard to overstate the fatalism time. that, like, Came yeah. with that moment when Stetson. Ben. Oh, did yeah. you think that was a fumble yeah. in 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 live? I absolutely thought there was no way it was a fumble live. And like, then I watched a when few that happened, and I still thought there yeah. was no way. I got to say, yeah. with my Crimson Tide colored glasses tonight, I uh, <laughs> I absolutely thought it was a fumble live. But yeah, it, okay. hell of a play. I mean, it was like a blade of of turf where he got his toe down in there. Yeah, <laughs> and I, like 
yeah, Brian Branch, who came up with the fumble, but I don't think he even thought that he was getting a fumble. He had no idea. I mean, idea. he was so nonchalant grabbing the ball. Yes. Yeah, it was like an accidental fumble recovery where he just happened to be in bounds. So, yeah, no, so, I mean, huge play, early fourth quarter. George is clinging to a 13-12 to 12 lead. Bennett ends up with the, you know, proverbial empty hand going forward. Ball squirts out, and uh, and it looks like, oh, my God, everything, every mean thing everybody ever said about Stetson Bennett is coming true right here, yes. right now, you know? <laughs> and then he rallies and leads two touchdown drives. Uh, Maybe that's why know. Dan didn't come, because he's ripped yeah, on Stetson Bennett true. for two straight years. He, he has <laughs> killed Stetson with great glee. He uh, filled up on his humble pie, and now he's yeah. dozed off to sleep. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, Pete, just biggest takeaways from the game, and then we'll start diving into some of the uh, the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I think like takeaway one from this game, when we think about it 10 years from now, it'll be the 41-year drought is over, the longing, the angst, the heartbreak. Like that quelling of that, I think, is the number one storyline to come out of here. And then number two, Stetson Bennett wrote the ending to one of the greatest walk-on stories in college football history. Like he got the ending right. And this is how tenuous land, it could have been wrong. 10 minutes ago in the fourth quarter, we still don't know if it's going to be right or wrong. Yeah. He could have been the guy who wasn't good enough, the guy that lost Alabama three times. And instead, he leads two nails, nails touchdown drives. He throws that 40-yard parabola that was – that catch was one of the great plays of the game. Phenomenal. The, the rece- Mitchell reached back with his right hand and kind of pinned it on the left side of his helmet. I mean, it was really a remarkable uh, – you know, in a game with a lot of athleticism, a lot of big-time plays, that was a big-time play. But, yeah, I really think you go Georgia angst, Stetson, and then Kirby – breaking the snout against Nick, breaking through it as alma mater, and maybe, maybe starting a little run too, you know? Like, that, yeah. that, like it's it's easy to look at George and look at the recruiting classes and look at the talent. They still really don't have a quarterback. <laughs> like <laughs> Kirby's only 46 now. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I was comparing him. Before the season started, I compared him to Phil Mickelson. It's like he's going to break through and win a major, you know? And then when he, once he does – does he win five or six, you know? And I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's going to win five or six national titles, but, hey, he might. Um, yeah. Again, only 46 years old. Uh, first coach to lead his alma mater to the national title since Phil Fulmer in 1998. So it's been a while. Yeah. That, college, that, that title can is out of college looking for a job. So it's been a while. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Since uh, since Sully's happiest moment of his of his childhood, it's the first time we brought up Phil Fulmer on this podcast and did make fun of him. So. <laughs> right, very true. <laughs> Pride of Bainbridge, Georgia, uh, Kirby Smart, and you know, yes, I mean the 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 the. I think Pete, you're absolutely right about the big themes of this. Is yeah, I mean, 41 years for a program that has almost everything going for it. It's like it's incredible how it could have possibly been that long, and they finally do it. Uh, and Vince Dooley is there. He's 89 years old. Um, Kirby Smart tells a, a cute little story uh, that last night he like gets off the elevator on his floor of his hotel room, and there's Vince Dooley sitting on a bench waiting for his hotel key because he had locked himself out of his room. And somebody was bringing one up to him, and he's like, "God put Vince Dooley there for me to see him." I don't really know whether God did do that, but uh, you know, it was just it was it was kind of cool the full circle nature of this and. You know, for that, just just the way things came together for this to finally happen um, was phenomenal. Uh, and then, yeah, the, I mean, the the Bennett thing, like you said, I mean, those two drives. So the second drive, he didn't have to do much. Mostly he handed off. But then very good play call by Todd Munkin, who I thought 
didn't run the ball nearly enough for about three quarters, but then they figured it I'd out and pounded it. Yeah. yeah, they pounded it. Uh, and then they had the nice deft, uh, you know, uh, flat pass to uh, to Brock Bowers, and they got a lead block, and he scores. And that that really probably decided the game, but then Keely Ringo definitely decided the game with the pick six. Well, it could have decided the game if they didn't chase points, but that's another story, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> they went up eight, and they could have been up nine. Oh, right, right. Because yes, they didn't get yes. the two-point conversion. Yeah, Keely Ringo was cool. Like It was like you could see him getting chased down from behind, and it was like, oh, God, don't let him be like a Leon Lett. Don't let, mm-hmm. it, don't let it get poked out. And then uh, they blocked very well at the end for him. Like well, Somebody did. got like depleted. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, that was re- my favorite play from this game was the uh, Jalen Carter field goal block. Mm. I mean, that was just such – he didn't even have to jump, Pat. Like, just, <laughs> like that's like, some pretty good yeah. angles. If you get far enough in the backfield where all you have to do is reach up to, to block the kick, he had his big left pop. And that was uh, – that's well, on the Zeus White touchdown too. He was a lead blocker. He was full Right. Back. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yep. Uh-huh. Six, six, three, ten. Uh, like in his second year. I mean, he, like, he, he will definitely be back next year. And yeah, pretty nice piece to build around. I mean, you know, phenomenal talent and – Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd have yeah, to think that, he's like, SEC preseason defensive player of the year number two behind Will Anderson. Yeah, right. Yes, yes. But yeah, like, I mean, the field goal block was a huge momentum swinger because then they come right out and James Cook goes 67 yards, uh, you know, and then they score the touchdown there. And all of a sudden that game just kind of swung. And that planted, I felt like, the seeds of possibility for Georgia because neither team had done much. Right. But it was the the combination of the drop by Alabama. I mean, the drop might have been yes. the biggest play of the game. Yeah. Like yeah. that, certainly that was, the biggest play of the first three quarters. Um, yeah, because it takes points away, sets up the block, they bust the run fit, and then I believe it's fifteen yard face mask that's a first and goal, and then we have yeah. our first touchdown. Yeah, you know? yep, yeah, all and those things in succession. Yes, it's rare to see a Nick Saban team like fall on its face four steps in a row. Yeah, right, and that's and what happened. I mean, yeah, you know. But again, you know what? I mean, I'm glad you brought up the drop because one of the key storylines, Jamison Williams getting hurt and hopefully sure. not badly, but it sure looked bad. Yeah. But, you know, that I mean, talk about a game changer. I mean, Alabama at one point in the SEC championship game had Jamison Williams on one side and John Mechie on the other and Georgia couldn't cover either of them. And then Mechie gets hurt in that game. And now Williams gets hurt in this game. That's that's some tough luck right there. But. Georgia's offense still had to make plays after those things happened, and and they did do that. Uh, you know, uh, again, they, they and boy, we I know we talked about this on the pod before, but Georgia's offensive line blew some holes in Alabama and couldn't capitalize and turn those into big runs in Atlanta because Alabama filled and tackled extremely well. But tonight they turned some into some pretty big runs. Yep. You know, they were mauling them for a while between the tackles. Yeah, so. It was, and uh, this was not a vintage Alabama team between the tackles. No, no. They have right. really good, uh, you know, obviously Will Anderson's best player in the country. But it was not a team that was had a Duran Payne. I mean, I did a story on Will Anderson going out. I, I put made a list of every D lineman under Saban who's gotten drafted. And there's like really good players you forget were even there. You're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jonathan Allen. He was really good. Um you know, uh, Marcel Darius, you kind of forget mm-hmm. about a little bit. He was the third pick in the damn draft. So, yeah, I think the number was 20. It's D-line is a little bit of nebulous because it's outside linebacker. Do you consider him an edge? Is an edge D-lineman? Whatever. So you can safely, very safely say 
since 2010, they've had more than 20 D linemen drafted. You could probably fudge the numbers to 25, 26. And out of those 20 plus, 11 or 12 were first and second round picks. Wow. I mean, yeah, they've, they've just been a machine in that area. And right now, guess guess who's the machine in that area right now? Georgia. Because you got Jordan Davis in there who had a very good game. And then you got Jalen Carter, who we mentioned. And you got Wyatt. And, I mean, they have they have the creatures up front right now. And it was one of the things Kirby Smart said after the game was, you know, the one of the reasons they're so good in the red zone is like you just can't run it in on us. We're not going to let you. You're going to have to throw the ball, and it's harder to do down there. And they made some plays, a couple of key breakups, and then Bryce Young missed a couple. Uh, let's talk about Bryce Young real quick in, in yeah. his game. He was really hard on himself afterward. I don't know whether you yeah. heard any of his post game, but I mean, like, I saw a couple quotes. Yeah, yeah, over and over and over said, you know, I, I let my teammates down. I didn't get it done. Blah blah blah. You know, and that's probably one of the reasons he's a great player because he's going to put yeah. it on his shoulders and say, I I need to do this and. Uh, and I thought he played well for the most part, but he was not transcendent like he was the first meeting. So what 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 did you think of his game and what do you think about what Georgia did, I guess, to 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 neutralize him to a degree? Well, I'm certainly not going to sit here and like pretend I've ever played nose tackle. But before the snap, I felt like they moved quite a bit and I would say they moved quite a bit more. But I can't sit here and tell you I charted the defensive line you know, pre-snap stunts in the, uh, you know, in the SEC title game. But I felt like there was always some kind of motion commotion to confuse. And I think that was a really, a really nice wrinkle by Dan Lanning. I think they had three sacks. I didn't count hurries in the stats. That four hurries? Four, sa- four sacks. And then I don't know about uh, yeah, the, the hurries. There were many. I just, there were a lot of hits on Bryce Young. He got pounded. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, one of the big plays was when they had to settle for a field goal, they they ran right in and dumped him. And then he missed the guy in yeah. the end zone. And yeah, there was there was a lot of like and that that, you know, even the I thought he did fumble like live. The two big potential fumbles that could have swung the game oh, yeah. in the first quarter. I was like, that's a fumble. Like, yeah, I didn't, so did you know, I. And then yeah, watch the replay. So I, I agreed with it when it did. But live, I was like, here we go. Um, yeah. you know, it's seven, nothing. And we're, you know, and then I was like, they get the ball to start the second half. They can play for that. Like, I was like, Oof, you know, so Bryce Young, like, yeah, he, he by no means played poorly, but I mean, look, like the SEC title game was one on two plays. It was the deep shot, which was over double coverage, um, to Jameson Williams. And then there was like the ball down the seam that was a coverage bust that James Williams that may have executed the single most athletic display of the year by running away from the Georgia defense on that run. I mean, he just <laughs> right. took yeah. off. So yeah. when you have that out and you don't have Mechie as your security blanket, and then you've got whoever your next best guys are, they can game plan and eliminate them. They're not very yep. good. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I said, I got, I got mocked on Twitter because I said Alabama doesn't have, uh, doesn't have a lot of weapons. Now they obviously have really good players who would be weapons. You know, yeah. if they were on Southern Miss, they'd be, they'd be weapons. But Compared to what we remember them having, like Brian Robinson is a nice back, and he was great against Cincinnati, but he's just the guy. Like he runs hard, he doesn't. He's not elusive. Um, you know, and no, he's like out of all the backs they've had in the last decade, he's he's not in the top four or five. And and then yeah, you take out Jamison Williams with that electric speed. 
You take out Mechie, who has speed and good hands. And all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to make it work with Slade Bolden and a bunch of guys that really haven't played much. Freshmen, you know, that you're just kind of pulling out and putting in there. And look, they're good freshmen, but they haven't been through this. And Georgia's got talented players. Their players are every bit as talented as as Alabama's are on the other side. And Oh, I think they're more. Yeah, well, they are. They are. And, you know, I just... You saw that. You saw those guys. And I thought, like, Keely Ringo with the pick six was kind of illustrative of what Georgia has become in terms of a recruiting juggernaut. This is a five-star from Arizona who goes to Georgia. It's like, yeah, like, how did that happen? You know, and he visited Oregon. He visited Texas. He visited Ohio State. And he gets – but Georgia goes into Scottsdale and gets Keely Ringo, and he makes the play that puts the game away. Uh, Lewis Seen, who had a phenomenal game at safety for them, uh, is from Baltimore. And he played great. And then, obviously, like I said, all the creatures on the line. Nolan Smith was really good today, too. I mean, they just, they've got a lot of guys who can really play. And that's how you win championships. And that's how you beat Nick Saban, by out-recruiting him. No, and I I really think, again, (laughs) there's been a lot of cyber ink wasted on the death of Nick Saban's dynasty and the downfall of Alabama and all that kind of stuff. But would we consider Georgia, holistically, 1-85, to the way they've recruited, the biggest threat, consistent threat now. People have flashed and beat him. Ole Miss flashed and beat him. LSU beat him with Orgeron. Urban beat him early. Like, but is is Kirby the biggest looming threat to Saban's, you know, desire for SEC supremacy? No doubt about it. Yeah. Because again, he can he can match him on the recruiting front and he can scheme and and he's 46. I mean, he's he's just getting going to a degree. Uh, now next year, and I, I had to do the too early top 25 and boy, I mean, you, that's a, the biggest crap shoot of all time, given the, the transfer portal. And, and we don't even know everything that's yeah. going to end up happening, but, but I got, I mean, Alabama's got to get a million one, clicks, don't they? So just, oh, just yeah, bathe no. and you can hear yeah. them now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I posted it at like 12.05 AM and it's just getting slaughtered right away because people love that stuff. But I mean, how do you not start with Alabama number one next year? You got the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. You got the best player in football coming back, and you got Saban, right? I mean, you have to start with Alabama, don't you? Yeah, I I, I don't feel comfortable putting anybody else there. It's not at Auburn pretty high the other day, huh? Auburn? Yeah. That's really? Stink. Yeah, I I I I, I did I, I did not put Auburn in my top twenty-five, and I did not even consider putting them in my top twenty-five. I, I would say I, I agree with you, Pat, though, because Georgia doesn't have to play. Alabama every year, like A and M would be. I think A and M's the right. next biggest threat looming in the SEC nope. outside of Georgia. And yeah, but A and M's got to got to beat Saban every year, and Georgia just has to beat him in the title game. So that's correct. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean that's the, there's a just it's better to be in the East, especially the way it is right now. You know, Florida's regrouping, Tennessee is regrouping, getting better. Kentucky is pretty good, but you know, I mean. You, You'd much rather be on that side than facing uh, a Texas A&M that's killing it on recruiting, uh, a Brian Kelly-led LSU. Auburn's never bad. You know, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt which uh, division's the better one to be in, Sully. Uh, okay, some uh, a couple other things here. We uh, we did have the, the college football playoff meetings, and once again, they didn't get done. 
they wasted everyone's time. They came to no conclusions. Uh, Pete, what what the hell is going on here? And are we ever going to get the playoff expanded? So this is actually like usually some of these uh, commissions. Now, Dan makes it fun because he just tries to sell copies of Death to the BCS, the book he wrote. And he, he mocks bull guys, which is always entertaining. But this was actually, and I've attended a lot of these meetings as it went from the BCS to the CFP and all that stuff. And usually they're dreadfully boring. And these were dreadfully boring because you're just like sitting outside a hotel room. Uh, I'm sorry, like a hotel ballroom. It's like you're on the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever covered the NFL Combine or been over the NFL Combine, it's like the third floor of that Marriott above the Starbucks. I've spent a lot of time in my life there. Um, <laughs> so yes. anyway, usually they come out, they don't say anything. And then like they... They get some wind-up toy president to spit out three cliches, and then they call it a day, right? Collaboration, buzzword, optimism. <laughs> and today, Bob Bowlesby came out, and he's entering what I call the full Bayheim phase of his career, <laughs> where yeah. he just doesn't care. And he's going to say exactly what it's on Zero his mind. Zero F's given. Yes, exactly. Nobody's going to stop him. And so he was like, yeah. honestly, he's like, have you guys seen the movie Groundhog Day? And we're like, yeah, we've seen Groundhog Day. And he's like, it's the same thing, and nothing happens, and nothing happens. And then... He was so forceful. Uh, Greg Sankey then like held a little press conference later. And he basically was like, I could, the SEC can take our ball and go home. Basically, you need us. We don't need you. Um, There was, there were shots fired all around. Uh, Jack Swarbrick told me uh, later in the day that basically he was like, there, and I'm paraphrasing here. I did a column on this on Yahoo. There's a disconnect between how serious the, no, there, there, there's a couple issues format that are there, but like the things that are holding it up, there should be easy solutions for. But people are entrenched and nobody's going anywhere. So it's just comical to step back and look and be like, this should be solvable in five minutes. But it's not because yeah. college sports are always like a little bit sideways. But my favorite story I got later in the day is that, so that meeting was Monday. It was three days of meetings, 15 hours. Sunday, Bullsby was so fed up with like how it was going in the room he just in the middle of the meeting packed up his bag and stormed out. It just left. Did he really? <laughs> yes. Sully, you want to do that sometimes yes. with us, don't you? Just, just. I'm sure. No, so he'd love to pack up his bag and no, walk out on absolutely us. Absolutely not. I mean, they, as you said, he is in the full Bayheim now. He is at the zero F's given stage. And also, I think, you know, I mean, he's pretty chapped at certain people in the room about what's happened to the Big 12, his conference. So, I, you know, I, he, he, he is, but the animosity not, isn't towards Greg. That's the funny no, thing. No, it's, it's right, right. He I, he and Greg agree on this issue, right? Yeah. On the, on the playoffs. Yes. They're, yeah. they're completely in lockstep. It's, it's comical, actually. And yeah. if anyone had an incentive, so if it stays at four, and ultimately Sankey's bluffing, they're all bluffing, right? Like if it stays at four, it actually really hurts the SEC because it doesn't give Texas and Oklahoma a spot. Because let's face yeah. it, like in the Big 12, the Texas-Oklahoma, if things are going right, which they haven't at Texas for a decade, they should be getting one of those two spots eight of 10 years, right? Yeah, right, right, for sure. No, so, if, if you expand to 12, then then yes, they, the, those people are getting in. Yeah, I mean, there is, there's a lot of posturing, there's a lot of brinksmanship, there's bluff calling, all this stuff is going on. I, I, I don't know. I, I find it, like, insulting to me. It's like... You all just need to get the hell over yourselves and do what's best for the sport for once, you know, and mm-hmm. instead of all of this, this crap. And, and we're all just supposed to sit, we're supposed to go to every meeting and say, okay, well, maybe next time they'll get something done. It's like, you know what? No Screw more green corn until they get it done. 
No more cream corn. Yes, we're cutting wow. off the jalapeno cream corn until wow. there is a resolution. Sully, so, you're all business I, in 2022. You're starting food strikes. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to contact the kitchen at the Grapevine uh, Marriott down there where they sure they we have a lot of out. listeners in the in the kitchen. Lie at them, Coach. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And tell them, like, look, cut off the cream corn. We, we, we're, we're done here until they come up with a solution. So I, I advocate for that. I like that, Sully. Good call. Uh, so when will we get there, Pete? When are we, we – I mean – when are we fishing? When are we cutting bait? Tell the if you've got a timetable or so an there's idea. There's basically of just, like a billion dollars at stake, like close to a billion, nine hundred million dollars at stake. So fairly, wants fairly to large cut, number. Fairly cut large. Cut bait number. on a billion with a B. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that like can't be ignored, right? And then, so I talked to a pretty high ranking source in that whole thing tonight, who basically said the presidents are now annoyed at the commissioner because they're like, we pay you guys to get this done, you're not getting it done. <laughs> right. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So presidents may take that thing over. Well, do it. Somebody yeah. do it. Somebody take yeah. the damn thing over and get it done. So that that's an interesting uh, angle there. Um, and that like, okay, what? Okay, one other thing regarding the playoff. Pac-12 put out a statement and basically said we're in favor of every model. Uh, so it's not us is basically what they're saying there. Now they did not mention yeah. the Rose Bowl in that. Well, what yeah. did you make of that? So I. I, uh, I I wrote this tonight, like the Pac-12 wants to save, they want Rose Bowl traditional time slot. They want a double host model. So the years it hosts the semis, they still want to have the Rose Bowl traditional time and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's still the fight to, the fight for the sunset, the never ending fight for the sunset. <laughs> never Continues freaking ending. In, yeah. uh, in earnest, but Sankey, it, it was interesting to like listen to like listen to his comments and to read back through them. And one of the better pieces of shade he threw was at the Pac-12 when he said, you know, you've got one league. They've only been in two of the eight playoffs in history and they're making big demands. His whole thing was like, you need to, you should be, you should be as high maintenance as your level in your winning dictates you to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Which means his league would get to be the highest level maintenance uh, and the Pac-12, yeah. Absolutely. So no, I mean, but then again, that that's where we are. Like the ACC is holding one of the people holding this up and you need a, an expanded playoff if you're the ACC. You know, you can't count on Clemson being there every year in the top four. You need, and when there are years when Pitt is your champion, guess what? You need a bigger playoff, you know? It's no. Uh, no, it, it, it's just astounding to me again that, that like the – the people that are standing in the way of this. And you, you just, I, I would like to let fans just come up and say, what the hell are you doing? To, you know, line the commissioners up like for a dunking booth or something and let the fans throw stuff at them because they're, they're, they're annoying. <laughs> you can dunk them or you can just throw it at them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That'd be our, our pods dunking booth. Yeah, it's, it's distilled most simple this way. The people who need it the most are objecting the loudest. Yeah, right. And so, and again, that's, again that's, I guess that's college football. Yeah, it's divorced things from common sense. Yeah. Things don't make sense, but that's where we are. God yeah. love it. Give us your top 10, Pat, if you did it way too early. Sure. Uh, I did a, I did do the way too early. Let me call it up here. Uh, number one, as we stated, Alabama. Number two, Ohio State. Uh, I mean, I was dazzled by what they did without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, in the Rose Bowl, and 
the defense is going to get better. The defense sucked this year, but I think Jim Knowles is being paid a lot to shore it up, and I think he will get it done. Number three, Georgia. And then I, all right, so I started having problems after three. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, like after nine, I didn't want to rank anybody. So that, that's kind of where I was with this. But uh, number four, Clemson with two new coordinators counting on DJ Oyangalale to, to take steps forward. I mean, so it's, there's risk factor there, I thought. Number five, Utah, which is a big reach for a Pac-12 school, but. They are bringing back their 1,000-yard rusher, Tavian Thomas. They're bringing back their quarterback, Cameron Rising. The defense will be good again. They always are. Uh, Big game to start at Florida. See where that goes. Fascinating game. Yes, absolutely. I wonder Um, if it's a home-and-home or a bye. I don't know. That's a good question. It is a home-and-home. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Florida goes to Salt Lake City. Wow. I'd like to be there for that. When is that, Sully? Next year? Uh, Yeah, 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll they'll probably schedule it early. You know, Utah would love to have it in November, and yeah. just in case it's yeah it's eight inches of snow. Um, six Texas A and M, but like, why am I putting Texas A and M six when they were seven and six? I know they've got good recruits coming in, but they're freshmen. Michigan seven, I don't love it. We don't even know whether Harbaugh is going to be the coach. We don't know anything there. Uh, Wake Forest eight, Pete, and you, you know what? You you were instructive there because you pointed out like. Let's not have the brand name bias. Let's take them seriously as a team that returns a lot of pieces that won 11 games. Uh, And then nine Notre Dame, 10 Oklahoma State. So you tell me where I'm crazy. You tell me who I've left out of there. What do you got? So why is no one on BYU? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I I do think losing Tyler Algier really hurts. I don't think their defense was was very good. But Jaron Hall's back and... I mean, they've they've established themselves. I, I should have put him them in here. As a matter of fact, it won't. Here's how stupid this whole exercise was for me. At one point, I had them twelfth, and then I send it in with them unranked. So I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Oh, that's that's I have the tagline of the pod actually. <laughs> it is. But all right, who else? Who else do you like, or or, or you don't like? Either way, let me call. Uh, let me call it up here. Sorry, I would have put NC State higher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like NC State. Um, you know who I might have put on there? Old UTSA. Ooh. They return nine guys on offense, including the quarterback. There, they? they lose my man, Sincere McCormick, though, right? They do lose Sincere, and that is a sincere yeah. loss. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah, love a, a running back who can still like be a thirty carry a game guy. Yeah, many of those. That anymore. was mostly because their other running backs stunk. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's UTSA. You don't have you know endless depth. You don't have Georgia's three running backs uh, going yes. for you. So yeah. All right, that's our. It's three forty six a.m. For the love of God, Pete needs to go to bed. He's got a flight in like three hours. Uh, I need to go to bed and then drive back home to the Ville. Dan Wetzel is already in bed because he's a loser. So uh, we'll be <laughs> back with Dan. Uh, thereafter but season is over thank you all very much for listening for supporting for sending the hilarious tweets and tipping us off to every absurd story that's going on out there animal attacks chicken wars what have you Uh, keep those coming subscribe give us good reviews do whatever you need to do there Uh, Sully thank you for your work the, the best podcast producer in America for getting us through this season but we will be back uh, this, later this week, probably, right, Sully? I don't know, or, or maybe yeah. next week. Yeah, I would yeah. say later in the week. We got we got plenty to okay. plenty to chew on. All right, 
there we go. And yeah, we're not going anywhere. We will be there for the off season as well. So stay with us. Uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you later, as Dan Wetzel would say. <laughs>